Meanwhile in the pod cave. To another edition of the Podmen. I'm Brad. I'm Brian. Podmen Ron. And we've got a lot of news to talk about. We even have a recent death that occurred today. Got TV show cancellations. Got new trailers. But we're not talking about any of that right now, right? None of it. None of it. None of it. Because we want to talk, devote an entire two to three hour episode going through Avengers Endgame, right? If you came to the Podmen for a, a in-depth retrospective of John Singleton's movie career and directing, you know, uh, uh, acumen, this is not the podcast. This is not the. Yeah. We'll, we'll 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 follow up on that in a few in about a month, maybe. We'll talk about John. This Singleton. is all Avengers all the time. All right, so let's let's get into it. Let's go to the movie reviews for Avengers Endgame. We uh, jumping in quickly here. Uh, Avengers Endgame, possibly the largest opening movie of any movie ever in the history of the universe. Um, Brian, what what was the latest uh, that it's pulled in? What what billions of dollars do you know? One one point two billion. What's interesting is, and part of the reason why it has so much headwinds going into it is that it actually got the Chinese. Um, international opening scheduled at the same time as everywhere else. Normally China is like two to three weeks behind. So this is the only, it didn't, you know, for the Star Wars movies, they've never been able to get it on the same weekend. Uh, even, uh, Avengers, um, Infinity War was delayed like two weeks. So you never had that global box office. You always had China trailing and China accounted for like 27% of the take. They love their the Avengers. box office. Yeah. So, so yeah, like uh, this is one of those things, perfect storm where you've had 22 movies or 21 movies to build up to it. Plus you've got a scheduling benefit in the, in the fact that we get, you got China's box office too. So the speculation is that it'll probably take Avatar by next weekend. Wow. Hey, so, Podman Ron, does this, does this movie deserve such accolades as it may beat Avatar? Oh God, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Avatar doesn't deserve those actors. Yeah, I, what? Say, I don't. I've never understood I mean, the old Avatar. Brian has you been know, to the I, land of Pandora. He knows more than anyone. I've been there. Yeah. It's a hell of a ride. Yeah, but it's that movie. Like, that just, movie. But it happened. Wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a bad movie. It just wasn't the movie that everybody loaded it up to be. I, I don't I understand. Mean, because uh, the same thing, you know, it was like number one at the box office for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it was like the first big movie with 3D. So that had that was its benefit too, right? They got to sell those fourteen dollar tickets before when when they thought you know it was worth double the money to go see something in 3D before that stuff kind of settled down. And but what's wild is you had the same thing with Titanic. All right, well before we start so, talking about a Titanic review, let's go back to Avengers Endgame. 
And Podman Ron, you know, what rating do you give this thing? I would let me think here. I know this is difficult. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm just I'm walking. I hate these here. fucking reviews. The, this I'm is the PMR rating here. review, right? You're giving the PMR. Oh review. man. Uh, of course I'm giving this a five. Wow. The highest PMR there could be. <laughs> right. If I could give it a six, I would. Wow. Matter of fact, should I add one? Should you know, I add a six? I think you should. I think this movie should deserves we, it. Right? Add, Brian, you think we should add another? As we discussed in the green room before the show, I hate these reviews, and they're a time sink on the podcast. I mean, a six I mean, means. Add another, what would a six mean, first of all? Six would mean like the like. He nutted in the theater. Nutted right there in the theater. Okay. And that did Anyway, no, it was a a very good movie. It was, it actually, uh, it surpassed my expectations, believe it or not. As much, as much as this movie, uh, the talk about it and everybody was like hype. Usually when you go into a movie, this hype, you're kind of let down a little bit. But it actually went higher than in my expectations. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> like there should have been a Viagra, like commercial at the beginning, you know, if a re- PMR, if erections last more than five hours, consult the doctor. <laughs> I was, I was that, I, I enjoyed it that much. I wow, just, okay. I thought there was, uh, I just thought there was a lot of, uh, you know, yeah, there was a lot of fan service in the middle, but you know, they they kind of they split this into like three movies. You know, I mean, it was literally three movies into one, and to me, it, it flowed really well. I know some people have had a hard time with the pacing; they didn't like it, but I thought it was really good. So, there, fantastic. So, what was your opinion? Five. Can we move on? What? Why? Why a five? I like the movie. I would like to talk in depth about why I like the movie and where we go from here. So I'd love to move past this review portion as quickly as possible. If that hasn't already been apparent. Wow. Let me think. I would, I will probably (laughs) give it a reluctant five. A reluctant five. There you go. I I did have uh, a handful of things that I did have a problem. Not not just with the uh, the script, but the treatment of the characters and things like that. That I think uh, I think I would have changed a little bit. But let's let's uh, you know let's get through this. Uh, and Brian, we, you know, we start off with Hawkeye on the farm, right? Yeah, we're gonna spoil the hell out of this movie. Yeah, yeah. So if you enough. haven't seen it, shame on you, right? And two, Marvel's already spoiling stuff in their own trailer that came out today uh, you know monday after the movie so so if you you know don't get your your yeah. panties in a wad exactly. it, it, we're spoiling the hell out of this movie like line by line all right <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah we start we got hawkeye on the farm you see what was going down with him when the snap happened and he lost his entire family and went you know yeah and i, I will say you know just with that opening scene um, I will say that, yeah, so I took the whole family to go see it. 
And uh, I looked over at my younger son, who, guess what? Yeah, he identifies immediately. Sorry for the snap. Uh, he loves mayonnaise on his hot dog. So <laughs> there you go. I mean, he's in it right when that line, hey, do you want mustard or mayonnaise on your hot dog? He's in it right there. That sold him. He's, he's totally relatable at that point. Totally relatable. So uh, Podman Ron, we see Hawkeye and his family disappears, and then we're back to uh, – uh, back to the Avengers, right? Yep. Is that what happens next? I don't even remember what happens next. It happens so quickly. And everybody's still moaning about Thanos. and Or, or I'm sorry, after that, we go up into outer space, right? We're in outer space we're with outer Tony space Stark. With Tony and Nebula. Yep. Um, and those were kind of, yeah, we get it. We've Those were the scenes that we saw in the trailer where he's recording stuff and he's talking to Nebula and kind of forming a bond with Nebula. Uh, but relatively toss away type stuff. Nothing too exciting here. Right. What I, really, what I really, I, what I really liked about, about that scene in space though is the way he, so thin he looked, you know, and they didn't show that in the trailer. I mean, they showed him, but they, they, uh, they kept them like normal size in yeah. the trailers. But yeah. Do you think they did that with, was that movie magic or did he uh, lose weight? Do you know? Honestly, I was wondering if he's always about that size. <laughs> we just never see him without his shirt on. Do you think, so, you think the they, they put weight on him? <laughs> no, you know what? I read I read an article today that in all the, the the trailers and the commercials that showed him in space, he was just normal size. But in the movie, they thinned him up. So him to up. answer your question. I didn't so, notice uh, it when he was in space. I didn't notice it until they got back to... Uh, Avengers headquarters that he looked emaciated. I did, I did that first, but for a little bit, I thought to myself while I was watching it, and they were in space, I thought, God, is he thinner than normal? And then I thought, well, I guess that would make sense. Would but make then sense. it was really apparent yeah. when they got back to uh, Earth. And first of all, how, Podman Ron, how many times have you seen this movie so far? I've only seen it once. Uh, oh, okay. Alex has, Alex has seen it three times. So oh, my far. God. He's spent nine hours of his life. Watching this movie, that is incredible. Yeah, pretty much. Brian, yeah. <laughs> Brian? He spent nine of the past 72 hours watching yeah. this movie. <laughs> that is weird. Brian, are you? <laughs> yeah, we saw it twice. Okay. We, but we saw it Thursday night, uh, and then I went ahead and got tickets for Saturday morning, because Thursday night we had, like, second-row seats. Yeah. So A little bit too close. A little too close. Uh, but... Yeah, I, my biggest fear was that it was going to get spoiled. So I was like, I don't give a shit. I, we got to be there. I got to get this thing knocked out. So we went to the 6.15 showing. I think the earliest showing was like 6. So we were like in the – nobody could have potentially spoiled this movie uh, for me. Except so. for a few people. Well, yeah, except for a few people. Which so. I think I did pretty good. I mean, I tried, I tried to lead you astray with uh, – I thought Daniel Boone and Rocket team up was pretty – that's pretty fantastic. I mean, Rocket sitting on Daniel Boone's head at the Alamo. Anyway, all right. My comedy is appreciated elsewhere. So we uh, now we get back to Earth, and there the the gang is uh, looking for Thanos, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Captain Marvel comes and, and brings home uh, Nebula and uh, Tony Stark. Yeah, it was a little weird because he was out of oxygen. And so she flew him. Didn't look like she was flying all that fast. If she flew him like it is at light speed, you know, there's there's problems with that too. But uh, yeah, it was just kind of weird. It was like she, you know, teleported and boom, she was back at Earth. 
which I don't think is a part of her power set. But <laughs> so she gets there whatever. relatively quickly. Let's say she gets there lickety split, <laughs> pretty lickety split. Uh, and then we see Tony and uh, Steve have it. They, he still holds a little bit of a grudge about not being able to protect the world, and uh, gives a big f you to the Avengers, right? Yeah, well, well, the, the way that, the way the scene landed was Tony was right. You yeah. know, as much yeah. as there was a very a very conservative you know uh, um, point of view that Tony had, and they basically said Tony was right. Like that, that was what was wild to me was you know. Yeah, I enjoyed that scene. I enjoyed it a lot because it kind of, uh, it kind of, what's the word I'm looking for with Tony? Gave him, not revenge, but. Justified uh, his actions? Yes, just, he finally, you know, he redeemed himself. That's the word I'm looking for because, you know, the old Ultron thing, you know, went south and everything. And so. He was always kind of like blamed for that because the Ultron was just a part of what he was building to protect Earth because he always said something's coming, something's yeah, coming. He knew it, and so yeah, so well, yeah, it, it, kind of, it redeemed him. Age of Ultron. He's late. That, that vision he had was Thanos. Like if you go back to that scene, it with with all the Avengers dead around him, and it's just him. That was all his premonition about what was coming with Thanos. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so so that, that, I like that. That was good. That was that was a good scene right there. Now we went a little further. We there's some stuff to, to talk about before Tony gets back, right? There's the scene where Steve is at the uh, you know emotional support group. Which did you guys catch the Easter egg? Who was sitting there? I did. There's two people sitting there. Did two you know people that? sitting there, right? The director. Uh, one of the Russos is sitting there, and he has a long sort of a long conversation with Steve. But also sitting there, Brad was uh, the creator of Thanos, Jim Starlin. That son of a bitch! That bald son that of a bitch! Son of a bitch! Uh, and Which also, cool. I think Joe, I think Joe Russo was one of them Russo boys uh, representing representation. The first yes. official gay character in a Marvel movie. We've had we've had some unofficial ones, but this was pretty darn official. It seems like. Pretty darn official. So uh, then we we flash forward to, you know, um, Natasha's running the Avengers. And the Avengers consists of War Machine, Natasha, uh, uh, Okoye, Rocket, and Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel's got a haircut. All right? Yep. Which they make a, a lot of uh, jokes about. Uh, one of the things that, that people are speculating on is, uh, Natasha asks Okoye about, you know, what are we doing about the, this earthquake? And Okoye says, yeah, it was an earthquake in the middle, on the, on the sea floor. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we don't do anything it. about it. It's at the bottom of the ocean. But people are speculating, you know, that could be a way to reference Namor. Oh. And potentially bring Namor in to the Marvel Universe. Okay. Um, so a little, little Easter egg there, Main, and nothing will, will probably come of it, you know, but it's, it's kind of a cool reference, a little nod. All right. Uh, uh, and then, uh, again, we're probably mixing up a little bit here, but uh, eventually the uh, the gang says, hey, there's some sort of, uh, Thanos has given off some sort of heat signature using the rings, 
And as Rock is describing, saying that there was some sort of energy pattern the Earth has never seen before, yeah, I wonder if that's going to come back and haunt us in the future movies or something like that. Like, does that create mutants or something, it seemed like. but uh, Uh, I didn't pick that up, but yeah, it's a good call. But uh, the the signature, the ring signature happens again, and uh, Captain Marvel's like, yeah, let's go kick his ass. And they... uh, they uh, tend to go kick his ass, right? Is that kind of what happens next? Yeah, he's effectively dead anyway. I mean, he's you see him and he's he's uh, his body is like racked and riddled from from uh, destroy. So he used it for the snap, and then he used it to get used the Infinity Gauntlet again to to destroy the stones and remove them from you know from the table. So. Uh, so, uh, Podman Ryan, Thanos is on his farm cooking a little stew or something like that, and here comes these a-holes. What, what, what about the, the first fight scene? Again, this is within the first 10 minutes of the movie or 15 minutes of the movie, and we get our uh, fight scene with Thanos. I liked it. Uh, you know what? I liked it. I liked it a lot because it was like I, I was just glad we got Thanos out of the way at the start with, of course. Um. So, uh, yeah, I, I like this scene. I liked everything about it. I think that so. that was kind of jarring for people, though. I think some people just assumed there was going to be that big battle, and once Thanos was dead immediately, I think it took a lot of people. But, but that's the that was the beauty of this, because yeah. we still got the big battle. I mean, it was brilliant, actually. I mean, they took him out of it, but you still got your big battle at the end. You still got it. So it was it was well done. I think that's why I like this scene so much. Because cause pretty much until probably halfway through the movie, you're not concentrating on Thanos anymore. He's dead. You know, he's right, out of your right. mind. So yeah, it's I'm... not until, you know, you're halfway through that second story of the time heist that Thanos has popped back up again. And you're like, oh, shit. So, yeah, I, I loved this. I thought it was it was well done. So now we jump. They kill Thor, kills Thanos. Yeah, he right. goes to the head, which he, he was supposed to, the to head, yeah. the first time. Goes to the head, kills Thanos, uh, and it's five years later. Right, which that's so, where I got the only problem with this movie, and uh, I do found, I don't. So go ahead. Well, they found out that the Infinity Stones were removed from play. It's five years later. The world, you know, half the population is gone. The world's in ruins. It's that post-apocalyptic sort of. Dystopian future, not quite as bad as some. I was gonna say, it's right? not really that. I mean, well, there's a people, lot of yeah. People forget how to clean up the streets. That's for sure. I don't know why. <laughs> big shithole. Yeah, this turns into a big shithole. Thanks a lot, Thanos. Great so, plan. But yeah, so it's five years later, and we find uh, a rat is really who saved the entire universe. Yeah. Uh, so. A rat uh, crawling around in the uh, Hank Pym's or uh, Scott Lang's um, pedo van <laughs> walks across <laughs> the time controls and cuts it back on and saves Scott Lang. And we find out that it's only been five hours for Scott Lang, even though it's been five years for everybody else. Right? And so Scott goes to uh, the Avengers, and I think we mixed up the scenes a little bit that – uh, after yeah. that five years is when Cap has his rehab and they talk about the underwater stuff and make fun of Captain Marvel's yeah. haircut and all that. But 
point being is that uh, uh, Black Widow, like Brian said, running the Avengers, having a peanut butter sandwich. Steve Rogers comes and visits every once in a while, it seems like. Maybe he doesn't hang out there very much. She makes a comment about him coming to do his laundry. Uh, and then Ant-Man shows up at the door. Also, I, you know, a note that I read about, maybe you guys can shed some light on it. Uh, is there a little bit of romance between War Machine and Captain Marvel? Have you guys heard this? Because when they're in the uh, hologram thingies and, you know, he says, oh, I'm going to go check out something or another and everything. She looks at him a little bit longer and says, be careful out there or something like that. There's a little uh, something, something going on there, maybe. Well, in, in the comic book, they were lovers. And that's what I wanted to hear. And also, they're, and, and they're both uh, Air Force. So Yeah, that makes sense, right? It would make sense. So uh, but, I like the fact that they didn't really use her that much, as much well, as we all thought they were Except for the, to, the so. best part of the ending there, toward the end. But... Uh, before we get to that, uh, Podman Ron, Rhodey, uh, Rhodey hangs around, his hologram hangs around a little bit because what, he tells us what? He gives us a little bit of, uh, information on what Hawkeye's been doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what yeah, has he, he been doing? That. He, he's been murdering people, you know? He's been going after, uh, he's been doing the vigilante thing. He's been, uh, doing the Punisher thing. Well, and his reasoning is, you know, if half the universe is gone, why are, we're still left with these dirt bags, right? If you're going to wipe out half, why wouldn't you wipe out, you know, the lowest common denominator? Why did his family get wiped and all these, you know, gangsters and thugs and criminals, why are they still here? And he's adopted the Ronin uh, costume from the comics. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so he there was a cartel in Mexico that he slaughtered, and now he you, you pick up and he's fighting the Yakuza. And, and killing him wantonly. So, mm-hmm. so Rhodey's out kind of looking for him, trying to find out what the fuck Hawkeye's is. What, he's trying to get him under control, I guess, right? Correct. And, and uh, somebody mentioned this. I think it was, uh, it was Roy Thomas mentioned this. Cause I guess, you know, he created Hawkeye or, or at least turned him into an Avenger. Uh, that they really went out of their way to never call him Hawkeye. Like, <laughs> really went out of their way to never call him Hawkeye or Ronan. Yeah. They never once called him Ronan either, which yeah. was just kind of weird. And I didn't pick up on it until I read that tweet from yeah, that, about that. You know, review from Roy Thomas. Just his daughter was called Hawkeye. Yep. At the beginning so. of the movie. Uh, so Ant-Man comes. He says, hey, I think we can do this. We should be able to time travel and fix things. And Captain America and Scarlet or uh, Black Widow are like, yeah, kind of makes sense to me. Let's go see Iron Man, right? We pick up Iron Man five years later, and Brian, what's he doing? He's living in a high-rise building, nanotechnology. What's he doing now? No, he's living in a cabin in what? some remote location. <laughs> he's a with, Pe- with Pepper and their five-year-old daughter. What? Four-year-old daughter, I guess. Morgan Stark. Ah. So, and Morgan's precocious. Yeah. As, you can tell she, you would she likes... She loves science. Yeah. She plays in her dad's lab. Oh, yeah. And she has the cutest little lisp. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) She is precocious. Uh, So the the Avengers, or what's left of them, talk to Tony. Tony's like, yeah, why do I want to go back in time and muck stuff up? Uh, Because it could take away my daughter and all that. And then I think that may have been uh, the first reference, Podman Ryan, to – 
another one of your favorite movies that probably scores a six, Back to the Future, right? That's right. That's exactly Back to the right. Future. And so Scott Lang's <laughs> full extent of understanding of time travel and quantum physics is the Back to the Future movies. And sound, sound philosophy they, there. They specifically said numerous times, and I know in the writers' room they're like, "Look, we got to shed this Back to the Future idea of time travel, or else it's going to make it confusing yeah. for people watching the movie." And it did. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've had to explain to people <laughs> since Friday how the hell everything at the end of the movie happens. Right? Well, because you're going to have to I, do it one more time. We're going to have to do it one more time. I was going to say, yeah, you may have to go over it a little bit with us. Uh. But, they, but that's the thing is they said it numerous times. They went back to it and said, look, Back to the Future is bullshit. That is not how time travel works. Because they're saying it to Scott Lang. But Scott Lang is the audience that they're yeah. talking to, saying, "Forget that. That is not quantum physics. That's not how time travel works. Get it, purge it from your brain, or else the, the end of this movie is not going to make any goddamn sense." Which it doesn't, doesn't, still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Period. But we'll get to that when we get to the end of the movie. So they they strike out with Tony. He says, "Yeah, no, I'm not going to help you. We're going to need a bigger brain. Who has a bigger brain?" The Hulk. The Hulk. Professor Hulk. And it's Smart Hulk. It is Smart Hulk. I dig, right? I mean, he's fused it. He's had five years. So uh, Thanos' snap has really worked out well for Bruce Banner and Tony Stark. Yeah, they seem to be okay. They seem to be okay. They're doing just fine. Now, Hulk's a celebrity? Yeah. Here comes my first big beef with the movie, even though I I do think it was a great movie. Uh, you, uh, what was your PMR rating, Brad? We never got that. Yeah, I he said, said it was five. a five. I gave it a five. Oh, okay. okay. Don't open that shit back up. We yeah, let me, let me go back and re- <laughs> let me review what I how I felt. Now, my big beef with all of the Marvel movies now, and, and again, beef being that, I mean, I, I logically, I understand why they have to do what they have to do because uh, – you know, Tom Holland, everybody loves to see his cute little face and all that. Uh, but so the Hulk, you can't you can't everything on the Hulk has changed when he changes from Banner to Hulk. His body changes everything except for his larynx. He sounds just like Bruce Banner still. They couldn't have made him a little bit more deeper voice or gravelly or something. It doesn't have to be Hulk smash. But that's what it, that to me seemed extremely ridiculous that there was no change in his banner voice there. Again, minor nitpick, but I'm sticking to it. No, that's a good call. I mean, I, I, I that's justified. It's sort of like, like it's sort of like, you know, the, I, I think Tom Holland does the same thing, but we used to make fun Podman Ron. I think you used to bring this up with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is that when he ever had the, ma- the mask on, he never tried to really disguise his voice that much. You know, I get they, right. in, in Spy, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, he had the voice disguiser or whatever type thing, but uh, you know, no one ever does. Wow. Never, no one ever goes to the for the Batman voice. So it's kind of like, well, why? Well, why hey, you? Part of the reason that is, though, is because everybody made fun of the Christian Bale Batman voice. So I know, much. no, I it's get it. It's almost like now it. they're scared yeah. to do it, right? Well, for one thing, I think I see what you're saying, Brad, but I think it would have been very distracting. If everybody's talking normal and you got this guy talking like this all the time, that that would be like no. But they could have uh, just added more bass to his voice. I mean, I see what Brad's saying. 
the uh, the thing is, it didn't make or break the scene, but it would have been a cool little nod. I mean, that would. Yeah. I, it almost made I it feel cheap to I just kind of enjoyed Mark Raphael, Ruffalo, or whatever. His yeah, name Mark is. Raphael. Yeah, right. Raphael. Mark Raphael. John, John Raphael. I, I don't know. I just enjoyed his performance. I, I wasn't too. I, I think. Not enough to learn his name, though. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I thought the, the uh, graphics for uh, the Hulk was a little wonky, a little bit. That's what I'm saying. The whole. It, it, there were some things. Um, and maybe it definitely was the Hulk in some things. It's where maybe that plus the. Voice, uh, it, it made it seem a little cheap for some reason. I don't know, but yeah. anyway, I, I, he did. He just didn't. He just didn't look as good as he does when he's Savage Hulk. And maybe it's just hard to put, right. you know, make them all prettied up and try to get Mark Ruffalo's face on him and you know the hair and all that and make it look right. But there's a little uncanny valley going on there. Uh, so we got to move this along. Yeah, so we got uh, Smart Hulk, and that we also had Smart Hulk in the uh, the Infinity Gauntlet comic books too, if I remember correctly. That was the uh, you know the time that Smart Hulk was around, which in the comic books he kind of comes and goes, I guess. But anyway, a great nod to the uh, nod to the fans there. Uh, then we go over to Tony Stark. He's thinking about it. He looks at pictures of Peter Parker that he has up in his kitchen for some reason, and a little creepy. Uh, maybe hanging out in the pedo van a little bit too long. Uh, and then he decides, you know what? I think I'm going to figure out this time travel stuff. And he goes to Pepper and he says, yeah, I figured this shit out. And she's like, all right, have at it. Right. You, you be, you go do you basically. You go do you. And so Tony pulls up at Avengers mansion. You find out that, uh, you have a comical scene where Hulk's trying to crack the whole quantum physics thing and failing miserably. Yeah. Uh, Tony pulls up and says, Hey, look, we're not, we're not wiping out Thanos. We're not going back and killing him early. We're gonna, we're gonna fix it this way because I'm not gonna lose everything I've gained. I'm not gonna lose my daughter. I'm not gonna lose Pepper. Like, so we'll go, we'll do this, but we're gonna bring him back to today. Right? Right. So that was a big reasoning for the time jump is Tony, Tony's pushing for, I can't lose everything I've gained. And, and that's pretty integral to a lot of the other stuff that happens later on right. and why some of the things happen later on. And this brings me to another nitpick that I have with this movie. This movie uh, is that the I, well, I appreciate the, uh, you know, Tony Stark. He didn't like Cap at the beginning of the movie. He was mad at him and all that. It almost seemed like it turned too quickly. There was not enough emotional buildup. You know, he we he doesn't like Captain America because he doesn't trust him and all that. And then all of a sudden he's like, I figured out time travel. He drives up, gives him his shield back. And it wasn't as climatic of a moment that I was kind of hoping to see to say, listen, I still don't know about this, but I, you know what I mean? It, there was no emotional investment there. It almost seemed like Tony Stark just turned without any regrets of, uh, well, of it, it, but it's weird. There's a, if you go back, and I really don't want to backtrack, but when Tony first gets off the ship after Cap brings him back, he's like leaning on Cap. Like he's like, like there's yeah. an emotional connection. He's like, I lost the kid. Right. You know, and so the first person he goes to is Cap to try to like, you know, for support. And then like as everything starts to settle in, in the, you know, that's when he lashes out at Cap and, and everything boils over. And it's almost like, 
uh, like they, they like once the emotions died back down, he still realized that you know they're they are friends, and you know. I so, uh, honestly, I kind of, maybe I just kind of reasoned it away myself because it was it was like there was a little uh, it was a little top heavy or a little uneven at the Avengers Mansion thing, right. but it almost made more sense that he that they came back together so quickly, you know, twenty minutes later in the movie. So okay, Podman Ron, any thoughts on that relate that building budding relationship? No, no. All right. I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with it at all. I thought it was fine. All right, so I've got a lot of things like post review that I want to like talk about. So okay, all right. We may that out there. We, we may have to have another podcast just for post review. Um, the uh, so now we, we're fast forwarding here. We go see New Asgard. We get a funny moment of Hulk and Rocket riding in the back of a truck. They go to New Asgard. Asgard is reformed somewhere in Norway, we imagine. And we yeah, they said it's the, it's the or, uh, Thor, yeah, they right? said it's the uh, or I guess Odin said Asgard could be here. So the assumption is it's that there that it same region yeah. where yeah. Uh, from Ragnarok. Well, supposedly it's the same city where. The Tesseract was being hidden at. If you look at it, they say, uh, where this was hidden at in Captain America, that is where New Asgard is. Uh-huh. So. It did say something on the sign below New Asgard. It says something else. Yeah, Maybe the city that's referenced yeah. in Cap. Yeah, that's. First Avenger. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, I think it says like formerly whatever it was. So that's that city. So. Okay. Uh, so we're now we're introduced to Thor five years later, and Which, uh, I love this part. This all right, this is probably the most controversial piece of yeah. the whole movie. Yeah, what happened with Thor in five years, Ron? He has really let himself go. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was not expected at all. I mean, I, I expected him to be moping around, but to look the way he did, and the, I mean, it was. Fantastic, and with uh, his buddies from Ragnarok, Beak and Korg. Yeah, the thing for me with with Thor being fat was, I assumed as soon as he would get Mjolnir and and you know call down the thunder again, he would go back into like superhero shape. Because remember, (laughs) like the whole thing is is he's he's. Gaining the power of Thor, so I was like, "Well, he he hasn't utilized the power of Thor, so he's kind of mortal. That's why he's gained weight." No, no. no find I'm, out, I'm, Thor I'm is fat. Yeah, I thought it was great. I really no did. matter really what, uh, <clears throat> no matter what uh, version you're getting of him. So, although, although, as we do find out, maybe it's when he holds both hammers. Spoiler. Uh, that his hair automatically gets braided magically when he holds it. It does hand. automatically braid his hair. Okay, his good. I, I wasn't 100% sure of that, but I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, that's this... canon, Brad. That's oh, canon. That is. Okay, I'm sorry. Walt I'm... Simonson did that. Walt Simonson Years did that ago. back in the 80s. Totally. Yeah, yeah oh, braid, yeah. Braid my beard. Um, his beard automatically braids. So, uh, so yeah, so Chris Hemsworth, I mean, he is, to me, I think he's kind of the star of the movie. Here, uh, as far as acting skills, I think he did a fantastic job being depressed and, 
you know, in this deep depression. And then, you know, when Hulk visits home, he mentions Thanos. He's like, don't say that name. You know, you can tell he's struggling. Then later on when he sees his mother, he's struggling. So he's like an emotional wreck, you know, and I think that they gave him something yeah. to do. Captain America, he was still plain vanilla throughout the whole thing. He didn't really have a whole lot to do, period. And Tony, like I said, in my thought, he kind of went from, you know, I don't agree with what you're trying to do and all this stuff to, yeah, I'm all in. He kind of went hot and cold. Thor, I, I saw him. I felt I loved his character. Yeah, I, I feel Cat, Thor, they gave a lot of meat to the movie, like a lot of character development, obviously. But then they also, they did a lot of time and spent a lot of time on developing Hawkeye as a character, yeah, which yeah. he's been relegated in the last two movies to just, you know, yeah. or non-existent, not, non-cap, not cap, you know, yeah. like, so they spent a lot of time developing him. And I think it's interesting where you can go with Hawkeye now. I'm, I'm more vested in the Hawkeye character in this wow. movie than I have been in you know, the entire Marvel MCU. I mean, I, I agree with you that it was his best performance, of course, but there's no, uh, They've ruined the Hawkeye when they gave him a family. That was that was not necessarily. I know you're going. We'll get into that in a few minutes. That's in the post post review. I'm not a big Kate Bishop fan. No, I'm not talking about that either. (laughs) What? All right, Uh, so review. So we we meet Thor. We get Thor. He's back. He doesn't want to be a part of it, but he's back because we entice him with some beer on the ship. We go back to Avengers Mansion or headquarters, and uh, we find. Hawkeye, they get Hawkeye. He's about, he's killing people, like Brian said, with the Yakuza. Scarlet Witch holds hands, or shit, uh, Black, uh, Black Canary. Black Widow holds his hand and says, come on back. And, uh, he comes back and they're in the middle of testing, um, the, whether this time travel thing is actually going to work. And part of the plot here is that they only have a handful of pin particles left to do this test. Um, so I thought it was interesting that who you know Scott Lang screwed up one of the tests, um, but then who went back in time to test this whole thing out? But your favorite Hawkeye, right? Hawkeye again, yeah, giving him more of a, a journey, you know. And why, uh, you know, I thought that may have been. I was almost expecting him to grow, to come back and be like really large or something like that. Uh, since if I remember my, uh, what, 70s yeah, yeah, that Avengers, would be cool. yeah. right? Hawkeye was uh, Goliath for a little bit, right? That's true. So I don't, again, they, they, they uh, doing that fan service, as you mentioned, Podman Ron, of uh, doing some comic book call-outs as well as uh, fleshing out his character and all that. So he brings a baseball mitt back into the from his kids back into the present and says, yeah, this is going to work. Um, Which... You know, teases the way some characters come back. So, hmm? later on in the movie. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and so then they're they're uh, all on board. They're trying to figure out uh, what to do now that they can time travel. What the hell do they do? When um, Brian, you mentioned it that Scott Lane serves as the audience. So, if you had never seen any of these movies before, but just wanted to jump on board, kind of like what I'm doing with Game of Thrones right now, and just want to watch this episode or this uh, movie, Scott Lang says, "Hey, I don't understand. What are these Infinity Stones?" And we kind of give a little bit of background on the Infinity Stones. Yep. Uh, and we take another we take another moment to explain time travel again from a quantum physics <laughs> standpoint. Right. 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 And the fact that 
you can't go back in time and kill baby Hitler. Because if you go back in time to kill baby Hitler, you have nowhere, like, you had pre-knowledge of Hitler, so he existed in your timeline. And when you go back to your time, it's still your timeline. Now, if you go back and kill baby Hitler, you may create a better timeline for somebody else. Right. But you don't get to enjoy that timeline because harmonic resonance, whatever you want to call it, you belong to this this timeline. You vibrate at this timeline's frequency. You can't hop it. You can't skip it. No, no you can't skip to another timeline. So, so you can't go back in time and kill Hitler, and and because you, it just in fact, just the fact that you knew to go back and kill him means it's already happened and it's set in stone in your home timeline. All right. Well, so, but again, another distinction from back to, back to the future. Yeah. Um. So they, they they sit around and they're talking and they discover that hey we only have so many pin particles left because Hank Pym's gone we can't make any more and uh, Scarlet Witch again the heart of the uh, the the soul of the team maybe uh, says hey well there's a couple of them here a couple of them there we can do this with the limited resources we have so they split up the team splits up for a heist and. Uh, we got a couple, a handful of people going to New York to get uh, three, yeah, three of the stones, right? Because they know three of the stones are in the same year, right? Uh, 2012. So you've got the Tesseract from Avengers, the first movie. You've got the Time Stone that the Ancient One has at the Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, and then you've got Loki's staff, which is the Space Stone. No, Tesseract Space Stone. What's Loki's? Uh, the Loki Pokey Stick. The Mind Stone or something like that? Mind Stone. The Mind Stone. Yeah, so you've got three in the same. Right, in New York. You know, yeah. Lo and behold, at the time of the uh, the Avengers uh, grouping together the first time. And then we get a couple of people going off and a couple of groups into outer space, and then uh, Thor and Rocket back to Asgard. Um, yep. So the, you know, I, when it was going through it, I was having a hard time um, just because it's been 10 years since I've even thought about it. I was thinking that the Tesseract and the Loki Pokey stick were the same stone, but evidently no. not, right? Uh, they're not. So when, they're not. when I mean, we, the Loki stick, he just, he had that with him when he came in the first Avengers, when he came to Earth? Yeah. Yeah, in the first Avengers. Okay, he, he, he just had it with him. Okay, that makes sense. You didn't realize till Age of Ultron that it was a gems, that it was a Infinity Stone. Right. And then they gave it to a Vision. So. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, that was the one that was on Vision. I, guess I was thinking the they were both stone. blue is what was fucking me up, but whatever. Well, it was blue in the staff, and then when like uh, they took it out, I forget whoever did it, but somebody crushed it, and it became and oh, it, like the yeah. outer layer came okay. off, and it was orange underneath. Okay, I vaguely have a recollection of that. All right, so the team split up. Podman Ryan, wh- who was uh, when they go to New, and all of this stuff happens like within. <laughs> Everything happens like in the year uh, 2012, 2014, 2013 or whatever. It's kind of weird that they all happen right then and there, right? Well, it's because they had they had to know when those when they were available in those time periods. Right, like right. so so the history of the the Infinity Stones is, you know, it's only recent that anybody knows where they would be when, you know. So Right. Uh so Podman Ron, we go to New York. Uh what do we do in New York? We are trying to get the three, scepter three and the 
Pine Stone and the Tesseract. <laughs> and so Hulk goes and talks to the Ancient One and, and sweet talks her into giving him the stone and she realizes that, that, uh, wait. You know, there's there's some service here done for Do- for Doctor Strange where she knew about Stephen Strange before he had the accident. Yeah. You know, so she because as a time stone, she knows if she says Doctor, you know, Stephen Strange is the best of us, and and he wouldn't he wouldn't just give away the stone unless there was a reason for giving away the stone right. to Thanos. Um, and so and again, now we again have another conversation about how time travel works. And the fact that if the stones are removed from um, the timeline, it would send her on a divergent timeline that you know could could be bad. So again, now you know. So we're an hour in, and we've had three, if not four, different conversations about how time travel works. And it's still right? confusing. Still confusing. It's, yeah, it's still fucked up. So Hulk <clears throat> Sweet Talks the Ancient One out of the stone. Uh you see the true like uh, this is the most uh uh Oceans thirteen a part of the movie or the Oceans Thirteen yeah, is them trying to get the Tesseract and <clears throat> um Loki's staff, the Mind Stone, without being detected or without really running into their doppelgangers. So there's a little bit of the whole you know, uh, Back to the Future 2 in this whole scene, in this right. scene. <clears throat> but, uh, uh, and yeah, no, I mean, I think that they, they did really well in the scene, kind of merging everything together. And uh, um, long story short, uh, they, uh, Tony and uh, M.N. end up kind of screwing things up thanks to the Hulk. If Tony would have just let the Hulk take the elevator, then the Hulk wouldn't have gone down the stairs and then knocked out uh, current Tony and knocked the... Uh, Tesseract or whatever out of his hands and Loki disappears. So here's, yes, here's Loki. Maybe one of our controversial things here. Loki, Loki grabs, this is the first controversial thing, I think. Loki grabs the Tesseract and blinks out. Now, the Tesseract is a space stone. So it left, it, it allows the user to manipulate space, right? Uh, and teleport. So he can fold space and he can manipulate space. So when we get our Loki television show, on Disney Plus, all they have to say is, because he had the Tesseract, he was protected from any revisions to the timeline. He was in a time bubble when all this stuff went down and got reset and everything else. So there's how Loki's back. Yeah, That's Loki's the end of the back. conversation on Loki. All right, we, okay. will, we will not talk about Loki until the TV show. No, but that, that's all. That's all they got to say. He's protected. He's got the tesseract. He's in a time bubble. Nothing affects him with the timeline at that point because he has the tesseract in his possession. Boom. Like there should be, because it'll come up later on. Well, I thought Loki was no. That's that's the answer to Loki. Right. When he comes back. Well, how about one of the the uh, the answers to one of my favorite scenes in the movie, where Cap goes on his mission to get the uh, Loki Pokey stick. And gets in the elevator with a bunch of shield agents, which are actually Hydra agents. And it's very reminiscent of uh, the Winter Soldier here. Yeah, you've got Remolo. You've got, uh, what was the, the Weasley guy um, that was a shield agent? Kind of like the, the evil yeah. Coulson. <laughs> um, but they're all in the elevator with him. He had just gotten off the phone with the director. So he had just gotten off the phone with uh, Pierce, right? Uh, it makes, I didn't realize they were going to be able to get Robert Redford back. That was kind of crazy. I, 
I thought I figured, I assumed that was done. But Robert Redford's back. He just talked to him about securing the staff. Cap gets on the elevator and says, "Oh, I just talked to the director. He said for me to take the staff, which uh, they're not buying it. It's about to go down just like it did in uh, Winter Soldier <clears throat> until he says the magic phrase." Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. That's right. So a, a Which, good call, uh, call out to uh, some of the recent uh, recent uh, comic books, right? The recent comic books that people hated. Ouch. Nick Spencer was getting death threats because he made Captain America uh, um, a Hydra agent. So just putting that out there. He was, <laughs> people hated that story, but now apparently it spiked in value because – one, there's probably thousands of those books that never got sold. But two, it's because he said Hail Hydra. So there are people are trying to put that connection to why that book might be cool. It's not. It's not cool. It's not cool. Uh, so we get, so they end up screwing up. We, we got one of them. Oh, uh, and then Cap fights himself. Now, Podman Ron, I know you're himself. a huge Captain America fan. What did you think of Cap versus Cap, a little Cap on Cap action? Hot ass right. cap on that cut. Okay. It, did was, you, did, it wasn't my favorite part of the movie. It just it, it was kind of, I don't know, cliche a little bit. So it did, didn't really do much for me. I, I found it interesting, and I'm, I'm guessing there maybe is a, a pickup scene where they both lost their shield, you know, right at the beginning. Yeah. They throw, and then I guess they find, you know, our cap finds it again, you know, as they go tumbling down through the glass and he lands next to it or whatever, maybe. But, uh, I thought that was interesting when I, you know, it shows a wide shot and they're throwing the shield and the shields go in different directions and then all of a sudden he has his shield again. So maybe time travel. Yep. Um, but, uh, he says what may be another controversial thing here, what I like to call the Martha moment of the movie, uh, that the, our, the current cap gives, uh, defeats past cap by saying, Bucky's alive, Bucky's alive. And it throws past Cap off enough for him to uh, poke him with a Loki pokey stick. Uh, What's well, kind of a Martha moment? <clears throat> it's a little bit. Not nearly as bad as, a Mar- as the Martha moment. Yeah. There was also the little thing where he dropped his compass and it had Peggy's picture in it. It's like, where'd you get yeah. that picture? <clears throat> that was also a little Marthy. A little Marthy, yeah. But again, we all find uh, faults where we want to find faults in it. Um, the and you know it had also occurred to me that you know we're like a how, uh, hour and a half into the movie and we haven't even seen Cap put his mask on yet. You know what I mean? It, and again, I understand why they don't always uh, cover up their faces and all that kind of stuff. But it's uh, it's like yeah, Marvel superheroes just don't wear your fucking masks ever because whenever you touch down anywhere, the first thing you do is open your helmet up. You know that, right? That's the oh, yeah. law of Marvel physics. Um, so, uh, so then they screw it up. We and they say, "Hey, you know what? We got to go back and get some more pin particles. Let's go back to the seventies where we can go to get pin particles and get because the Tesseract. Because Tony knows that both Howard Stark and Hank Pym were working at Shield in the bunker where in New Jersey, where Cap went to basic training." Right, and where Cap was given the Super Soldier Serum, so they're working in that bunker for Shield in 1970, and and so Tony knows approximately a date where Pym particles and the Tesseract should both be in the building. 
That's right. We get uh, and it's April 1970. And we get a we get our Stanley cameo at this part of the movie. Stanley buzzes by the military base and yep. says, "Make peace, not war." Yeah. And uh, we get a little uh, <clears throat> sentimental uh, Tony talking to his father moment. Yeah. Uh, and Cap being about two inches away from uh, Agent Carter and her being the worst shield agent ever doesn't look over and see this person hiding behind some blinds. Well, and there's one really big missed opportunity. I feel like in this scene or this, this portion of the movie. So you get the redemption, like you said, Brad, you get the redemption of Tony and Howard and them bonding over the fact that he's about to be a dad and, and Tony's a dad and Howard's actually asking Tony for advice about being a father. Uh, and then Tony says something about, you know, my dad was always tough on me, but I only remember the good times. Like, I know he had, he wanted the best for me. Um, so that all happens, game. right? Um, uh, there's a, some comical stuff. You get to see the, uh, them, the age, uh, um, Man, Michael Man, Douglas. Man. Oh, yeah. Be Ant-Man. You see the Ant-Man helmet, the classic Ant-Man helmet, which is kind of cool. Yep. Uh, and then there's the person that rats on Cap and goes to get security is surely from Community. Community yeah. And we all know that the um, the Russo, Russo brothers community. started yeah. on Community, right? Uh, and so they had both Ken Jeong and Shirley in this movie. In Winter Soldier, they had a bed in the movie. But, uh, but Shirley's there. And I feel like the really missed opportunity is I wish she had been Nick Fury's mom. Ah, that would have been good. I would have enjoyed the hell out of that. Do we know that she wasn't? Did we see a name? If she was like Nancy Fury. <laughs> that would have been good. Martha Fury. Martha, Martha Fury. <laughs> I would have loved that. If they had just, I mean, all they had to do is just say, even in passing, even, it could even been like kind of sub audible a little bit where she's talking and you hear her say her name is, is Fury or somebody say, right on it, Miss Fury. <laughs> and then let them take off after Cap. That would have been good. I feel like that was a tremendous missed opportunity. So. Well, you know what? They, they, the boys didn't fail. They got the pin particles. They got the Tesseract. Come back in time. Uh, Thor is, uh, Thor and Rocket have some stuff. And again, I think Chris Hemsworth did some really good, uh, you know, really good acting, really good range of acting about being, you know, just really lost and all that. Has a conversation with his mother while Rocket does the dirty deed and sticks uh, Natalie Portman to extract the ether redstone from her. And uh, and then Thor gets before he leaves and mom says, ah, that's OK. I know I'm going to die. You go take care of yourself. He's like, let me grab my hammer before I go. And we get Mignonier back and he's worthy and- still. And this, yeah, he's worthy, but this is the point where I really expected the lightning to come down and him to change back into regular Thor. No. And so when it still didn't happen, it was kind of off-putting <laughs> again to me. Um, but, yes, yeah, so he's got me all there. And so people are like, now nah, we got it. You know, so now the, this is one of the things people are sticking on about, you know, potential plot mistakes or, you know, paradoxes. It's not, but we can. We can continue. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and then back on, uh, I don't know, Muag or Norag or whatever, Hawkeye and um, Black Widow, they have a pre-programmed uh, uh, Benatar, and they go to get the Soul Stone, and 
uh, War Machine and Nebula go to uh, wherever, and uh, it's kind of a funny little little twist, a little uh, reverse perspective of Guardians of the Galaxy, where they're watching Star Lord kicking the animals and singing and all that stuff, but not with the benefit of uh, being plugged into his uh, Walkman and everything. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, he looks like yeah, a jackass. That was, that was a good scene. I like that. Uh, yeah, and I liked that it was just that quickly. They just knocked him out and took it and then left. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, they got rid of him and, and pretty fine war machines. Like, wait, wait, wait. No, this is where the spikes come up and all that. And she's like, what are you talking about? As they go in, he's like, you go into the temple of the power orb, things are going to happen. And she just walks It's going to be booby trapped. Yeah. yeah. So pretty funny. But then we get into. And- well, but hang on. This is, this is a pretty big plot point. So she gets the stone. She gives it to, to war machine. War Machine hits his button. He snaps back to the present. And she is supposed to get, uh, she's supposed to snap back, right? And then Hawkeye, and, but she doesn't. Her motor functions freeze. And I thought this was interesting the way they explained it. Because right before this scene, you see Thanos, 2014 Thanos, 2014 Gamora, and 2014 Nebula. And Nebula does the R2-D2 thing where she starts projecting a hologram out of her cybernetic eye. Right. Uh, and it's memories that 2023 Nebula have. And I was like, well, but then they said that they're sharing like a, um, a network backup. Right. So because she's cybernetic, Nebula's personality is really stored in the cloud. And so, yeah, the, <laughs> so I thought that was kind of interesting with that did it. Um, but so they know that Neb, that there's some plot to get the stones, and so right as there as Nebula's about to leave, it's freeze all motor functions, and she's stuck and trapped, and Thanos has captured her. And that's how Thanos figures out what the hell's going on, right? Yeah, that's how Thanos figures out everything that's going on. That the that the time stones are in play. He knows the location of all of them now. He knows where they're all going to be. He knows that he dies. He knows everything. He knows everything. He knows that he's successful before he dies. So, and uh, Podman Ron, can you let us know that our first real shocking death of the movie comes as uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow are uh, trying to get to the Soul Stone? Uh, yeah, I feel like good, somebody should have clued the, them in. Yeah, you would. You would thought so, but uh, you know what? Just figure it out yourself. Podman Ron, were you shocked by by this shocking? Death of a shocker. No, I wasn't really shocked. I didn't know which one was going to bite it in the end, but, you know, it's kind of a boring death, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't think anybody was really upset about it, which was kind of sad in itself. (laughs) Well, Well, Black Widow has had more. Yeah, she's had more to do in this movie than she's had since Iron Man 2, I guess, right? Uh, it was a good scene in regards to you really, I mean, at least I didn't, I didn't truly know which one was going to die in it. I mean, in, in that terms, it was a good scene. You know, it was like the way they kept bantering back and forth, which is their character anyway, right. the way they did it. It was, it was actually a, a perfect death. It was a really good scene. It just didn't really have that much of an emotional yeah, like Well, partially because I think everybody thought she was coming back, and this is one of the big controversies. So, Scar- uh, so um, Black Widow and Hawkeye fight, and she ends up 
kind of checkmating him to where he can't jump over the cliff anymore or he can't fall to his death to make the sacrifice that Gamora had to, that, that Thanos made with Gamora to get the Soul Stone. But I think a lot of people thought, oh, when they get the Soul Stones back, she'll be, she'll be back. No, you can't, like, it's, it's a trade. It's a soul for, like, it can't go back. Right, if, for if, soul for soul, right. Soul for soul. If she comes back, then that meant they never got the Soul Stones, they so they couldn't the have been successful. But people right. are like, well, what? I don't understand why Black Widow didn't come back. Cause that's not how it works. Like, like, right. they, it's established this multiple times. So, but, again, a confusing point for people that, that, I've had numerous conversations about. <laughs> and so. you know what? You know how I end the conversations is like, so you can accept that there's this uh, cybernetic or whatever raccoon from outer space that talks and is a brilliant engineer, but you can't accept this? You know, <laughs> grow up. Fuck you. That's how, that's how I end well, that conversation. Fuck you. It's a movie. Just sit back and watch it. If you think too much about it, well, then you're defeating the purpose well, you, of the you talk- you talk about they explain time travel so much. They've explained they explained that like two or three times in the movie. Also, you know, I mean, they, right. they yeah, she can't come that. back. It's a trade. Yeah, like, they hit on that times with Gamora and all that. So it was like, okay, we got it, we got it, we got it. <laughs> We got it, and they got it. They got all the uh, Infinity Stones together. They talk about Black Widow for a while, and then somehow or another, miraculously, Tony Stark is able to build a gauntlet that will house the power of the stones without knowing really anything about the stones. Um, so, again, if we want to talk about the the mechanics of everything, to me, that's another kind of thing to where it's like, wow, he kind of built that really quickly when before – it took a giant dwarf and the power of a sun to to you know mold this or something like that. But it, that is true. And he, and and he does two about, of them. And what were you talking about? The talking rabbit. Exactly. I mean, talking raccoon. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's just sort of like you go down that rabbit hole, and guess what? It's kind of a fucking ridiculous movie, but. It's a good one. You just go and watch it. So this is where I get upset at reviewers where they start talking too much about stuff. And it's just like, you can pick it apart if you want to, or just sit back. Yeah, and watch I mean, it, right. Just sit back and watch it. Enjoy it. Right. Uh, so they Hulk puts it on. Thor wants to, he wants to redeem himself. Hulk puts it on because it exerts uh, gamma radiation. Hulk says, I was born for it. He puts it on. He struggles. Then he snaps his finger and everybody's like, did it work? Did it work? Hulk's laying on the ground, his arms burnt up and all that stuff, and Hawkeye gets a call from his old lady, probably bitching about, where are you? When are you coming home? Already Can you stop Already at Chick-fil-A bitching. and pick something up on the way home? Yeah? Um, and and this is one where I, I feel a little torn, because the way it's a really cool scene, you know, because uh, uh, Ant-Man walks out, he's looking out at the atrium, he realizes... There's more birds than there was before right. out in the atrium. And he says, hey, guys, I think it worked. And as he's about to say it, Thanos just drops, yeah. just carpet bombs the base. Because Gamora, we didn't even say this, future Gamora is actually who came back. Um, and I'm sorry, past yeah. Nebula is the one that came back. Future Nebula is trapped on Thanos' ship. And so past Neb- 2014 Nebula comes back, opens up the, the time gate, and brings Th- uh, Thanos' ship through. Which I thought the whole past Thanos thing was brilliant. I thought that was I thought that was well done. You were talking about the whole Nebula thing and how she was connected and how they, they 
they discovered that there was a you know a future where it was there in their time. I, I thought that was brilliantly done. I it just it was really cool. And then that's how we got Thanos for the movie. And uh, I, nicely done, whoever wrote that. Whoever wrote that. so. And, and so we got Thanos back. Let me ask you this, I, Brian. How how do you yeah. if we are going to talk about uh, talking rabbits? Uh, you know how did how did Thanos's ship get through there without? How did it even go through the quantum? The pin particles. So this, the pin particles actually came into play because the ship opens up and it grows uh, um, to its normal size. So it comes through the portal because it's just a pad inside a hangar. It comes through and then you know uh grows back to normal size and rips through the roof but how who's so what pin particles they, did they use to do that though they used uh, gamora's because i mean uh, nebulous because remember she got trapped so they still had her vial of pin particles well how did old gamora come back uh, then you mean nebula nebula sorry. she was in the ship with them so they used the pin particles to bring the ship back the entire ship as opposed to one individual person which is kind of a leap Right, because it's like, well, you know, you think you'd need more pin pin particles for a, you know, a, a three mile wide ship as opposed <laughs> to just one individual. But you know, maybe they could replicate them. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. That I think that I thought that they used the nebulous new neb current nebulous pin particles to send old nebula back. So she opened up the portal for the ship. But how did the ship shrink and then grow or whatever? But again, oh, good point. Deep. Minor detail. A good point. Uh, here's and here's something that that uh, I kind of feel like they probably discussed this, and honestly, like to an extent, it probably would have been a better story uh, um, or, or a more interesting way to go. Is you think that when when it gets carpet bombed, you know, it's right in the middle of Scott Lang saying, "Hey guys, I think it worked," and then boom, like he's blasted out of his booth, right? <laughs> right. I kind of feel like. It would have been okay to let him die. Wow. Because uh, I don't think we're getting another Ant-Man movie. Oh. Right? Uh, I just I like Ant-Man. I like Paul Rudd a lot. I mean, I, I would absolutely watch another Ant-Man movie. But it kind of frees up the Wasp to be, you know, get promoted to, like, the main character of that group. You know what I mean? Hmm. And, uh, I mean, what else are you going to do with Ant-Man at this point? Like, I feel like he's kind of run his course anyway, um, but Wasp has her chance to to flourish. Uh, but, yeah, I almost kind of think it would be more interesting if he had actually died at, died post-unsnapping, so it would be the first death that stuck. Hmm. So. All right. Well, he didn't die, but everybody else got the shit kicked out of him. And mm-hmm. Thanos is uh, Thanos is back in town. So now we're heading to the big um, the big battle, which I'll, I'll call it the big dusk battle, maybe instead of the you know we always complain about nighttime battles. This was not quite fully nighttime, but it was pretty darn dark the whole time. Uh, yeah. But uh, we get the big battle. Uh, <laughs> Thor gets his uh, both hammers and gets his hair did just in time. Uh, we got a handful of people that are buried under rubble, and thank God I, Ant-Man didn't die because he ends up saving them all. Um, and we get to say, you know, some speeches from Thanos talking about, uh, you know, destroying the world and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's not going to eliminate half. He's going to remake the, the universe he's in just, his image. He's pissed off now. He's getting pissed off. 
you get this sort of daisy chain fight between Iron Man, Cap, and Thor all trying to take down Thanos, and he bats them off. So it's a lot of one-on-one fighting, right? They don't they don't yep. manage to ever team up and double team him. Uh, um, for the first few minutes of the fight, he yeah, it's all single combat when there's three of them, which is kind of weird. Um, but then probably the biggest fan service of all time happens. Uh, uh, Thanos knocks, has Thor down. Thanos is holding, um, Stormbreaker in his hands. He's going to shove the, the axe into Thor's arm, approximately the same place that Thor, you know, yeah. axed him. Uh, Mjolnir's on the ground. It starts shaking. You think Mjolnir's going to come hit Thanos in the back of the head and, and Thor's going to grab it. Uh, and then what happens? DMR. Oh, um, oh my gosh. Captain America gets it. Captain America gets it. He gets it. He's got it. He's worthy. The hammer, the hammer shoots to Captain America, who they tee, you know, they've teased it in, uh, Avengers, uh, Age of Ultron that Cap was, might be worthy. And Cap is fully worthy of wielding the power of Thor. Yeah, inc- all the worthy, man. He like he like ran with it, man. He yeah. was like he didn't. There was no hesitation at all. He just no. Ran. He had no troubles. He yeah, was swirling was really it around cool. using the strap. You know. Yeah, it was really freaking. That cool. was kick ass. Great scene. Uh, probably one of my favorite. Like, and I didn't. I didn't even catch it the first time. That's what's crazy. I didn't catch it the first time. I caught it the second time. Uh, and it's a callback to the first Avengers movie. Uh, but Cap takes his shield and throws it in kind of a looping arc, yeah. like a boomerang, and then throws Mjolnir at it, and Mjolnir clangs off of it. It shoots that vibranium, that that sonic wave off the shield, and hits uh, um, Thanos from behind, which was pretty kick-ass. Oh, I didn't catch that either. Oh. You see that? Yeah, he throws it in a big arc, and then he throws Mjolnir, and Mjolnir clangs off of it, and it knocks uh, um, Thanos forward. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yep. So they, they yeah. fight. Thanos is uh, kicking everybody's asses, knocks out Iron Man, knocks out Thor, Captain America, shields broken, bloodied up. Uh, it's the last man standing. And uh, by this yeah, it's, time. Yeah, it's, last, it's literally Cap. And Thanos, that's it. Oh, Everybody and Thanos' is, army. Is out of commission. And he's and got, he's got army, his yeah. whole army and giant armies. His whole army's there. Stuff. Yeah. It's Cap's last stand, and then we hear a, a broken, sort of staticky radio transmission. You can't quite make it out. And then it's, then it's, then you hear it again come through, and it's Sam. So. The Falcon is radioing Cap, and he says, "I'm on your two o'clock." Uh, on your left. And on your left. And on your left, and you see. Yeah. It's called back to Winter Soldier. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's called back to Winter Soldier, and you see the portal open. Doctor Strange opens the portal, and the first of the returned Snappies steps out, and it's uh, which this is a little another Piccadillo, Brad, but Okoye shows back up. As if she was snapped, right. which is a little confusing for people. She wasn't snapped. And then Shuri and T'Challa walk out, followed by um, Falcon. Or no, followed by yep. Doctor Strange, Falcon, Falcon, Falcon comes Falcon, out, Winter Soldier. Guardians. 
the Guardians, all of it. Every, so like and Spider. In our theater, people like when it was like nerdgasm. You had Cap wielding Mjolnir, and so everybody's just like is cheering, screaming. Then everybody comes back out of the portals, like all these fans, and, and people lost their shit at that at that point. Um, so, and then it's a, and not only did you get those people, you got the Wakandan army. So, so the reason it took so long is Doctor Strange is jumping around, Get pulling an army right. together. Yeah. yeah, we got yeah, we so got, got Asgardians, we got a bunch of Doctor Mystic Arts people. I mean, everybody yep. and Ravengers or whatever they're called from Guardians of the Galaxy. You got everybody and Pepper yep. Potts, just in case. And Pepper Potts, you need just a little in extra case something, you something. Uh, and again, I get I get it, but I do find it so annoying. That as soon as you land, you got to take your mask off. It's like I think I think you'd want to put your mask on if you're getting ready for battle, not take the mask off. Uh, and you know what? Let me just say this too: the uh, the time travel suits. I hated those too because thanks to that fucking uh, Stark nanotechnology, which has kind of become Reed Richards' unstable molecules of the cinematic yeah. universe. Uh, it's sort of like, okay, we got the suits, and then the suits disappear, and our costumes are there, or whatever. It's like, uh, everything's just too good. It was really, it was really weird with War Machine. <laughs> right. Right, because like War Machine, he's, yeah. he's gray, and then it all wipes away, and he's white and red again, and it's like, why the hell did he even wipe it away? You're still wearing a suit. Right. But, again, nitpicky, nitpicky stuff, right? Nitpicky. Uh, so everybody's uh, starting to chase after them. Uh, and we get the big uh, nighttime battle scene full of CGI characters. Slightly uh, better than what we've seen in the past, I would say. Slight, but yeah, slightly better. There's the whole keep away, uh, um, trying to keep right. the gauntlet out of Thanos' hands. So there was like a relay re- relay race between uh, Hawkeye, then Black Panther, then uh, Peter Parker, right? And there's some cool stuff where. Uh, Cap throws Mjolnir, Spidey webs onto it, and he's right. just being fly, he's just flying through. Uh, they realize the time machine's been destroyed, but there's another time machine inside, uh, Scott Lang's, uh, pedo van. So trying to get to the pedo van and throw, and, and take the gauntlet into there to get it out of play, uh, from Thanos. Uh, you've got the, uh, female Avengers team up, right? Because, Captain Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel takes in. the gauntlet. Yeah, Captain Marvel comes in. Oh, oh that yeah, we need to probably back up and, and explain that. So, uh, Scarlet Witch grabs Thanos yeah. and she's like crushing him. Like she she's using her hex powers and she's got him off the ground and she's ripping his armor off. And Thanos says to call down the missile attack. And even though their army's on the ground, call down the missile attack, and so they just start carpet bombing again, everybody on the ground, and suddenly the ship pivots and starts firing out into space, and somebody says, you know, what happened? It's like, uh, there's there's something incoming from outer space, and it's Captain Marvel. She destroys the ship in just a couple of strikes, uh, and it lifts and crashes into the uh, lake, uh, and then you've got, and then, and then you see her take the gauntlet from Peter and take off with it. Um, 
and you get her fight, her her little skirmish with Thanos. Uh, I'm really like you like you said, Ron. I'm really glad that's the extent of of what they did with Captain Marvel because I was really afraid that it was going to be just all her, yeah. her just destroying him. Like uh, she she held her own for a second or two until he outsmarted her. Yeah. Right. Because what he did was. They're wrestling for the gauntlet. He's got the gauntlet on his hand. She's preventing him from snapping his fingers. He kind of grabs his wrist and pulls away, and you realize he pulled off a stone, and he blasts her with the stone that's on his left hand and then puts it back on. He's again about to snap when Tony grabs the gauntlet. Um, and this is a big, you know, another point where people don't understand what's what's happening. Uh, they're like, well, well, you know, he didn't take the glove off. Yeah. How Why did he get the stones? That? How that get was, stones? But before you get to there, real quick. Uh, so uh, I, I think, Podman Ron, we we know everybody's opinion of the Captain Marvel movie. Was she a little bit more palatable in this just because they didn't use her as much? Or the fact that this, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that this was filmed before the Captain Marvel movie was. So was she, how was she? Was she easier to deal with here, you think? Because we didn't see her or because we we didn't uh, have the background knowledge of who this character was before? That question is directed at Podman Ron. All right, Brad, I'll feel, I'll feel that. I think he may have fallen asleep. Uh, he may have fallen asleep. Yeah, I feel like less is more for sure with this character. Right. And I feel like it's really nice that that she's not as powerful as they've been saying this entire time. You know, that, that she has weaknesses. Right. Right. So uh, and honestly, if if I've seen a lot of stuff in the past couple of days um, about like the press tour and some of the like hey, side, everybody's happy with her. People are not happy with Brie Larson. <laughs> so there's. Uh, she got into like a, like an argument with, on the press tour, on the press tour. She got into an argument with Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> um, and Hawkeye, or, and, uh, um, Jeremy Renner in two different occasions. Uh, we already know that Scarlet Witch, or that, that Elizabeth Olsen's not really happy with Brie Larson. And a lot of it's because, and even Jeremy Renner even says this, like, you should go look at the clips, anybody. Like, yeah, yeah. Jeremy Renner says, you know, I'm a celebrity. It's about the fans. I'm not trying to use my platform to push an agenda. Like he says it literally right after she talks about why it's so important to her to push an agenda. Like they're sitting next to each other. It's pretty, it's pretty cringy. Um, but then there's a little bit more going on with her, like with some of the hate because she's got that George Takai mentality. Like how she in the press conference conferences keeps talking about how powerful she is, and it's like, hey, dumbass, you're playing a character. You don't have any superpowers. <laughs> but she talks constantly about how powerful she is, and it's it, like she doesn't understand why, uh, you know, uh, that, that she's playing a part, that she's not actually Captain Marvel. Just like George Takai yeah. quits. Quit Star Trek. Of a starship. Right. Yeah, he quit. He quit the Enterprise because his character went to go pilot another starship, which meant he got removed from the movies. Yeah, she's so, really not so. a good fit. You know, you can tell she's the, yeah. you know, the yeah. 
handout when they do these little press junkets. You know, she is the odd man out, and it, she does not fit in well with the rest of them. It's just obvious. So. Like you said, it's very cringy to watch them. All right, so we're, uh, I think we should probably – Maybe we can maybe wrap this up relatively quickly, and then maybe we'll do a part two. Uh, yeah, we got to do a part two because I got a ton of stuff. You got a lot to say. Um, Why don't we wrap it up right now, and then just, we'll just start over. Start, we'll pick we'll pick uh, it up at the end of the battle. How about that? Well, no, no, no. Yeah. We need to we need to probably do like like wrap up the rest of the movie. All right, so like go through. So so Iron Man gets the stones. He Iron snaps Thanos out of out of existence. Out he of dies, existence. and there's a funeral. There's, well, but one thing, and this is a sticking point for people, is how did he get the stones? You know, why didn't he do that the first time with the Infinity Gauntlet? Because yeah. the Infinity Gauntlet wasn't Stark Tech. Ah, right. the the gauntlet that Thanos is using now is so he can interface it, and it's all his nanotechnology. So he had it. Just he had that glove. He interfaced with the glove and just had it release the stones into his hand. Yeah. I think they, you know, from a filmmaking standpoint, they could have, um, they could have spoon fed that to the audience a little bit more. I mean, it took me a few minutes, seconds to get it to be like, oh yeah, then again, those fucking nanotechnologies could have just handed the stones right over to, to Iron Man, right? Um, right. but it was a little bit of a, a leap of, uh, of assumptions because I don't think it really showed the, the closest that it came to showing it was the stones were kind of slowly creeping up. Yeah. Into like his knuckles and all. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, um, and Dr. Strange gives Tony the finger saying, I guess kind of, this is the one move right now. Well, yeah, well that was the whole thing was he said that he looked at 14 million different scenarios and he said, uh, and we only, there's only one, there's only one timeline where we won. Right. And so like he was saying, this is the one. Yeah. Right. This is the one where we win. And that was the reason why he gave Thanos the Infinity Stone is because Tony had to live. Tony was the only one that could snap the. Exactly. Uh, to, yeah. That was the only timeline where they won was when Tony snapped the glove, the snap the finger. Uh, Thanos so, evaporates. Yeah. And, and somehow, right. somehow Tony, I mean, it, it kills Tony Stark, but somehow this regular old human managed to withstand the power of the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, well, not really. Not very long. Not for very long, but just just enough to uh, for everybody to look at them. Uh, and again, it, it, <laughs> it almost seemed like there was, I mean, I guess we, we are to assume, based on everything well, you've heard of, you know, that's like, yep, nothing we can do about it. You know, Doctor Strange can't do anything about it. You know, he, let's just sit and watch him die a little bit slowly and everybody look at him. Um, but it, it seemed to me that it was a little sad, maybe, that there was no interaction with Cap. You know, that we had, there was a little bit of interaction with Rhodey, a little bit with Spider-Man, a little bit with Gwen, with Paltrow, and then he's dead. I, I kind of would have liked to have seen some sort of thing about him and Cap you know, being like, you know, whatever. I love you, brother. Something like that. Well, I don't really think Tony Stark talked at all. He was. He didn't say anything. I, no. well, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. It was yeah. like he was just, you know, he didn't say anything. They're just like right. talking. They're like, look, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let go. Which would seem really realistic because yeah, it is right, really right. weird when, when it's like I'm dying, but I'm going to give you a two-minute monologue before I die. Right. Right. I, know, like, I like the way they did it. Um. I, I find something interesting here, like, 
and me and PMR talked about it. In Homecoming, I mean, you know that Uncle Ben existed, but it wasn't like a lightning rod for Peter Parker, you know, uh, in in this iteration of Peter of of Spider Man. Tony is Peter's Uncle Ben. I mean, Peter didn't screw up, but 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 Tony is who Peter wants to honor. <clears throat> right. Okay. And so now you don't need an Uncle Ben moment. You don't have to ever go back to it. Tony is that Uncle Ben character. So, which is cool. Yeah, and I'm good, good with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to have him as a, a martyr for for poor Peter. Poor old Peter. To look uh, up to. And also for Morgan to look up to. All of a sudden, after yep. his death, we cut to Tony Stark voiceover, and you're thinking, maybe he survived. What happened here? Why am I oh. crying so much? Uh, and uh, we find out that it's just a hologram that he recorded the day before they started, and he loves his daughter, and everything will be all right. Which it almost seems to me like that's the way Tony Stark's, Stark starts every day. Like I gotta, I gotta film my video in case today is the day I Just die. In case, because like, we already seen it do it twice in this movie. That's right. That's so. right. Yeah, maybe that's this stick. Uh, we also see uh, Hawkeye return to his family. We see Peter return to high school. Uh, and again, we'll in the next episode we'll have to talk about the controversy of the five year gap and everything. That did stuff change? I don't know. How how are they going to dig their whole their way out of the five year? Uh, oh, see, I got it. I'm all over it, Brad. See, good. I'm all over we it. We see Ant-Man with his daughter that seemed to age 20 years in five years. And uh, and then we see the big funeral scene. Very cinematic. Pretty much every character you can imagine uh, shows up at Tony's funeral where they notably a bunch of flowers. I think there's some notable people there that they didn't have to put there that, that are clues to what's going to happen in phase four. Uh, one of one of which, Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Hartley, the kid from Iron Man 3, uh, who Iron Man buddied up with and gave that lab to. Right. He gave him that lab to work on his inventions and stuff. I think those are two uh, interesting and important people that just happen to be standing there. All right. For what's going to happen in the next phase you know what i would have loved to have seen if uh you know, if they recorded it uh in time and everything i would have been great to have stan somewhere in the background you know as his last appearance that would have been pretty cool but then maybe the people would bitch about that being like well he wasn't but, but i thought that that would have that was in my mind i was almost expecting stan lee to be in there somewhere or another but um and so anyway, so they, we see that there's a sweet moment between uh, Happy and the kid and they like cheeseburgers. And then we have yet another Lord of the Rings ending because we think this movie's ending about three times. And uh, Hulk and Winter Soldier and Cap and uh, Falcon. So Falcon are uh, Cap's evidently Cap's going to take all the stones and Mjolnir back to their rightful place. Somehow he knows where all this stuff is and the right places he should go. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I'll be back in a few seconds. See you later, buddies. Uh, and you can argue, like, the difficulty Cap would have getting to some of these places, <laughs> like, is probably a plot hole, right? But, again, um, yeah. 
One of them, though, I thought was kind of interesting was, and it's just fun to think about, is uh, Cap would not have to get back to Asgard to return the Thor, the uh, Mjolnir. Cap could literally have just left it sitting on his mantle place, and at some point, once it was removed from the timeline and Thor called the hammer again, it would be the hammer that to- that uh, Cap had answering the call. No. No. Right. It even Frida Freda even said, you know, sometimes it takes longer than others. Right. But that'd be just kind of cool as if it's just sitting on his mantle for 15, 20 years <laughs> and then suddenly it just picks up and flies away. Just you know. But uh, but we find out that Cap shot past his his designated point way be, way behind, you know, so they had set him up for the first time to, to uh, probably 2014 or 2012, right? To replace the stones. And they didn't say how far back he shot, but but Bruce said that he shot way past their marker. And he's supposed to be back in five seconds, and he's not. And uh, about that time, uh, this, uh, people have had multiple, uh, like, confusing points about this. Yeah. Uh, Winter Soldier says, hey, Lucky Sam, says, and hey, points. There's Private Ryan. Yeah. yeah. And you realize, yeah, Private Ryan's sitting on a bench. Uh, like out looking out on the lake and Sam walks up and it's Cap, but he's, he's aged. Old man Cap. So he's, he's old man Cap, right? He's Joe Biden Cap. <laughs> he was and, a little uh, bit Joe Biden Cap. <laughs> it's Joe Biden Cap. And he's sitting there and he talks to Sam, um, and basically passes on the mantle of Captain America to Sam Wilson. Yeah. You know, he gives him the shield and he says, uh, he goes, you know, no, this belongs to you. And he goes, uh, I don't think so. Uh, looks like it belongs to you now. And so, to, uh, you know, passing the torch, really cool. Um, you we're getting that what we thought was going to be Falcon and, and Winter Soldier TV show on Disney Plus, which is now Cap and Bucky, yeah, which is pretty kick ass, right? Uh, um, and a cool dynamic now, right? The but I've had a lot of people I've had to explain this to repeatedly. Like, people think that he lived, that he still teleported. They're like, wow. So he went back and teleported back. and Before you get into that, because this is going to require a lot of explaining, I think. Um, Because I want to hear what your your theory is as well. But uh, Do you want to call it? I I think we need to call it because we still. So then we didn't talk about Thor. Thor gives up his kingdom to go ride around with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Absolutely, yeah. Seems legit. I wasn't crazy about and that part either. I, I called something a couple weeks back. The As- Asgardians? The Asgardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I I so, like that part, but I don't like uh, I don't like Thor just being like, uh, I'm going to give up my kingdom. Hey, how about giving it to you because you're a real leader. Uh, you were you were the drunk that was on that uh, the collector planet and have shown no leadership skills, but I'm going to let you be the leader of the well, Asgards. They infer that she's been the leader, the de facto leader, since Thor's been held up playing Fortnite for the past five years. So, <laughs> but uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy piece is pretty cool because now, well, one, Chris Hemsworth in, in Guardians 3 is going to be pretty kick-ass. Um, but then also, you get to bring in Beta Ray Bill. So now, he can give... Uh, Stormbreaker to Beta Ray Bill, and Beta Ray Bill could be a part of the Guardians. Maybe. Right. We'll see. 
So. Uh, and then, uh, and then we close the the way every Avengers movie should close with a, a slow dance, slow dance. So Cap finally gets to have his dance with uh, his yeah. girl. You find out that Cap went back to the 1950s, which was my prediction, by the way. Yes, Thank it was. I remember yeah. that. That was now, my thought. Was that was your contribution is, to the movie? Thank you. And people are saying this is a paradox, and it's not. It could be. And there's a, we can, if there's a paradox, it's how the hell did he get the stones back to, you know, wherever? You know, how did he get the stone back to, uh, Vormir? <laughs> like, you know, well, it was probably awkward when he bumped into Red Skull. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah, uh, that's a little wonky. But the whole timeline of him going back, how did he not screw up the timeline? You know, how does, how is he married to Peggy? Uh, you know, where's he been for all this time? That is totally explainable. All right. Like, and very interesting. Okay. Well, so I we'll, want to hear it because I, I, I want to hear, uh, what you, uh, what you think about it because it is very confusing. Even for someone yes. who, li- I love a good time travel movie. But the key is Cap lived those years. So he went back to the mid fifties. He met, he married Peggy. He grew old with Peggy. Yeah. He did not jump time again. That is Captain America, uh, 70 years older yeah. than we last saw him 30 seconds before. All right. So there you go. We recap that movie in about an hour and a half. <laughs> he saves you an hour and a half We've of time. Condensed, oh, yeah. condensed a three hour movie I think, into I an think hour. I would have just rather just went and saw the movie again. Yeah, it probably would have been easier. About- <laughs> it sure would have been. You know what? Let's strap this episode. And all right. So next episode, let's talk about. It's a still Avengers Endgame Part Two. Oh uh, yeah, it's Part Two. Let's talk about theories. Uh, maybe it's a few Avengers Easter eggs. Endgame. The Endgame. It's, yeah, it's the celebration. I mean, this is. It'll all be right. fitting that that'll be the last episode of the Podman. Will be this so next I, episode, right? Yeah. I can give you a teaser about the things that uh, that I. <laughs> Wanted to talk about. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what do we just save for the podcast? All right, that's fine. Save for the podcast. I got a bunch. I've got. I know. Like Fifteen bullet points. I want to hear them. I want to hear them. I I, I, I've got a few. Ron, will you have some bullet points? I'll have some too, but I'm just really, really tired tonight. All of a sudden, so. I am too. We got to get started so. at seven o'clock. Can we get started at seven tomorrow? <laughs> right after dinner. Uh, no, we do. We start a little early, not seven o'clock. We start earlier. All right, we'll try a little bit earlier. Uh, and we want to hear uh, theories, time travel, plot holes, and anything else you got, Brian. All right, until, I got a bunch. Until next time. Save it for the podcast.